welcome to the Niagara Moon podcast. I'm Thomas Irwin. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, what's going on here is uh, I'm Niagara Moon. I make music, sort of weird, broke, indie pop stuff, and uh, I make this for my fans primarily, but also for people who are really enthusiastic about albums, you know, particular albums, particular artists. Often I am uh, joined by uh, Dan Barracuda, another awesome songwriter. He is uh, still away on a little vacation for the holidays, so I was actually joined for this episode, Elliot Smith XO, by uh, a very impressive individual uh, out in Southern California, Eric Davis. He's an amazing songwriter. Uh, he literally wrote a full song each day, every day, the whole year, last year. We, we actually uh, talk about that on a previous episode of this podcast, so he's uh, this isn't his first rodeo. But anyway, I've been wanting to talk about Elliot Smith for a little while, and I thought, who better to discuss him with than just... Uh, Eric is a huge expert on the guy and uh, a big fan, and I was, I was very pleased with, with how in-depth we were able to, to dig in to, uh, to this guy's work, the artistry of Elliot Smith, as it were. Now, obviously, this episode's a little bit longer, but trust me, it, it makes sense. It's worth it. And uh, also, I keep mispronouncing one of the songs. I keep saying Pizzolay instead of Pizzola. So before you scold me out there on the internet for that, uh, yes, I get it. It's Pizzola. And uh, Eric was gracious enough to let it go. But you, <laughs> maybe you weren't going to. Uh, anyway, it's a cool episode. Very excited. Let's get started. Cut this picture into you and me. All right. Uh, we do not have Dan this week, but we got a one Mr. Eric Davis. Hello, hello. Hello, Internet World. Welcome back uh, to the pod. I had you on uh, earlier this year, but seemingly in another lifetime. <laughs> yeah, man. that was Time really has stood still the past several months. It's hard to differentiate <laughs> all the months oh. and how much time has passed. Yeah. And it's like people are saying that all the time, like it's kind of a cliche, but it just, it rings so true that I can't help but just be like, what, eight months, two months? What? what? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, exactly. It's, it's a weird cloud. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, it uh, we were just talking a little earlier, but it, it sounds like you've, uh, you've been holding up pretty okay and, and been pretty creative this year and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely haven't written as many songs as I did the uh, the previous year, but yeah, I'm still writing songs. Released a couple um, singles this year, and looking forward to uh, some future projects. Yeah, it's it's real. I feel like everybody's going to come out of this with a lot in the tank. <laughs> you mm. know, like once you're really able to collaborate with other people in the room comfortably, like yeah, people have been building up a lot of ideas this year. I'm sure. A lot of a lot of musicians have. Yeah, man. Yeah, and uh, you've been listening to much Elliot Smith. His record "Either Or" is kind of the mm -hmm. one that I always gravitate towards. So when you were talking about wanting to dissect XO, I was stoked because I've definitely listened to this record several times, but I've I've never really done like a deep dive into mm. it. So, so yeah, I'm stoked to talk about it. That doesn't really surprise me that either or is your favorite. Um, obviously, that's totally up there. And uh, 
whenever I've listened to your songs, I feel I feel a, a through line, maybe like with the mm. kind of unique homespun production or like the the quality mm. of like the vocal harmonies. But yeah, that's that's definitely it. Feels like that's in your DNA. Would that be safe to say? Mm. I think so. Yeah, partially just having listened to that record so much, and then also. Um, here in Los Angeles, it's hard to find songwriters that aren't totally obsessed with Elliot Smith. <laughs> oh, like really? A, yeah, like I feel like there's a there's a there's a pretty strong geographic thing. Like being in Los Angeles, you kind of have to be able to tap into that the the, the spirit the spirit of Elliot. Elliot, that's a tune of his. Yeah. Well, wow, yeah, I I would not have guessed that to be honest. I I know he mm. certainly has like, you know, a legacy without doubt. But I I wouldn't have guessed yeah. it. You know, I might think that about the Pacific Northwest or somewhere cloudy and kind of totally. You know, cold and inhospitable. But that's interesting. So yeah. so how long have you been like a total Elliot Smith fan? Where how far back does it go for you? Not super far back. I started really checking him out like community college. So I was 22 at the time. Um, I listened to like a lot of Bright Eyes in high school. Mm. Um, and I feel like the friends that I was around, um, you were either like a Bright Eyes fan or an Elliot Smith uh, fan. It was kind of like one or the other. Weird, because they're very, <laughs> they seem very similar to me. Similar exactly. personas. Totally, totally. Huh. Um, and I think that I gravitated to the Bright Eyes stuff because it was a little more like orchestral, and the arrangements were a little more epic. Mm. And um, it took me some time to really be able to like have the patience to um, take in an Elliot Smith song. And then I also, um, one of the things that I feel about Elliot Smith is that he's one of the only songwriters who, who are like truly sad. Um, I feel like, I feel like a lot of songwriters are sad because it's an aesthetic or like sad because they're writing a sad song in order to get happy or like to process something. And I feel like Elliot Smith's music, it's like he could be trying to write a happy song, but it just, it is sad because he himself is so steeped in his own sadness that um, I kind of have to be careful with Elliot Smith. Like if I listen to it too much, it can can make me feel pretty dark. You can, you can over, overdo it, especially with like his first couple of albums. Where yeah. the the sound is just all squashy and muffled. I mean, those are beautiful albums too, and great songs on yeah. there. But I, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. It's you. It's easy to go too much with him. Like you can't marathon him necessarily. Um, it's also funny you said you were twenty two when you got into him because that's exactly when I did. Which oh wow for me that's kind of late because I feel like I you know, decided all the music I liked when I was a teenager or whatever. And Elliot Smith, I knew the name, and I think I heard uh, Needle in the Hay from the Royal Tenenbaum soundtrack. And I was like, eh, I don't want to get into him. That's that's too dark. I, I don't I don't have the uh the gravitas for that. I, I I couldn't I couldn't get into that. But then I really I gave his catalog a chance and now I I he's never written a bad song, has he? Like I never 
hear one song, let alone an album that he's done posthumous or not. And I'm like, oh, he dialed it in here or this one's cheesy. Like that just, that literally never happens with him. So it's really just like, what's the cream of the crop? And um, I do really like either or. I really quite like figure eight. Um, but for me, because I tend to like better produced music, like higher production quality generally, if I have the choice, um, I feel like XO is in this wonderful sweet spot that kind of made it like the, the peak Elliott album for me. And this guy is a genius with a capital G. Like I think it's far easier to call him a genius than a lot of other contemporary artists. Um, yeah, he's he's super. Would you say he's underrated? Elliot Smith? Yeah, is he underrated or overrated or some weird combo of both? Well, with your speaking to his arrangements, I think maybe he's underappreciated with his arrangements. Um because people definitely love him for his songwriting, I feel like pri- primarily, and his tone. Um, his lyrics, it, yeah. Yeah, so I'd say for songwriting, I've, I feel like he's pretty well appreciated. Like I've been to a couple um, like in memory of Elliot Smith evenings in yeah. like LA where like a bunch of different songwriters like will all just play Elliot Smith songs all night. And, um, but yeah, as like in terms of arrangements, I think I could definitely agree with you. There's, there's a lot in there that, um, that we could all learn from. I I don't know if people are always necessarily aware. He plays almost everything himself on any release. (laughs) Like, yeah, especially on on this, drums and yeah, keyboards, (laughs) guitar, obviously like, you know, this album, there are a lot of guest players that come in and he certainly has help but my god what must this must have been so work intensive for him yeah like this album in particular all the roles he's taking on um and i think i and i always just of course me doing niagara moon of course i love uh music where you can tell it's really like one person is overlooking it all and calling as many creative shots as they can you know, like a, a Brian mm. Wilson's uh, pet sound situation. So that that totally. quality in, in music like his is very interesting to me. Yeah, I and I so it's maybe yeah maybe as a songwriter he he is recognized. Maybe just Generation X as a whole doesn't get their their due. I I <laughs> I would agree. He's, that. he's not really mainstream big, you know. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, he's not like uh, he's not recognized like Prince is recognized or someone that would be like in more of a pop setting but it's interesting because this XO record is such a pop record. I mean the singles have guitar solos, mm-hmm. they have drum intros, it's very singable. It has um, the spirit of the Beatles. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. It really really does. And then but the sound of his voice and the content of the lyrics like it all it just you know it it, it stays true um to the integrity of like you know, what Elliot was really about. He is never like inauthentic for a second. He's incapable. (laughs) He's incapable of not being absolutely true to who he is. Yes. He he can't do it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The fascinating dichotomy of kind of what he does as a whole, but certainly in this album where he got his first shot at a a big budget and a major label debut is 
he does carry all this pain and trauma and that's just such a mark on him as a person and a musician and there's just like no getting away from that but it's like he's not just this sad guy who's wallowing in his hardship and just being dysfunctional like he works so you like if you start to know anything about how music works and how to put it together he works so hard and is so diligent and focused and it's that's an amazing Mm. combination to me that you know Mm. because you you can have like a punk singer who's a hot mess and musically at the end of the day all they're maybe doing is just playing a few chords on the guitar and shouting and yeah you know there there can be a beauty in that but like Elliot Smith is like a serious musicological workhorse, and I never fail yes. to find that fascinating. Yes. Yeah, like on the second track, Tomorrow, Tomorrow, he has this, um, I forget what the technique is called, but there's this really, really difficult um, classical guitar technique where you're playing like the same string with multiple fingers. And it's it's kind of like tremolo, but not really. But um it it might be called tremolo, but it feels like a misnomer because tremolo means something different. Right, right. On like, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, uh, it's it's at the intro. Everybody knows which way you go. And um, like that shit is tough. It sounds insane and... to me. It's like, wait, is a human <laughs> yeah. being playing this right now? Like, exactly, exactly. On this, and like he just comes back in with his like casual vocals, just you know, if they're delivered non- casually, but like everybody knows, like where is that harmonic footing? Like, mm. you know, what, what? Just that. That's a moment that's beautiful to me, but it's also like. If I were to replicate that, what the hell is going on there? Like, what chords mm. is he in? What scale are we going to? Like, the way he mixes major and minor. Like, that's one of my favorite songs from the album. I feel like that's the first mm. strong instance of, like, you know, who can, who else can do what this guy does? Yeah, it's it's cool, man. Like, all the, all the modal stuff that he taps into. And one of the things that I really love about... Um, these songs i'm trying to remember exact exact instances of this happening but he'll he'll do this thing where um like he'll play a chromatic chord during the interlude after the second chorus so like he'll he'll save this like harmonic change for yeah. this little tiny like instrumental section where i feel like a lot of other songwriters like they like they'll figure out like this chromatic change that's going to like sound really cool and wow the audience. And they'll put that like right in the middle of the chorus and make it like this big moment. Right. Um, But the way that he kind of like, he writes these songs with integrity and then he ornaments the song structure with like progressive harmony and like all this other shit. Like that's, I, I really appreciate um, how he strings it all together like that. I really can't say this for most albums, and I can really say it for his album. Each listen, I'm noticing just a little mm, clever detail. Yeah. You know, he he doesn't like uh, flaunt them; they're like scattered about for you to kind of discover as you like dive more into the album. Like, an easier example is like the the organ part that comes in like 
maybe the third verse of Baby Britain. like something that should be really dissonant and just adds this cool like like it's such an unusual part to to put in a song like that and it just it works so well yeah he's he's full of that like i was saying he is he's so not an artist that like wallows in their misery or whatever he's he's always i feel like he's always trying to punch up He's, he's trying to work through it just as best as he can and mm. the sound itself and like the tone that you get with this album, I feel like it's like uncovering mysteries. Mm. Uh, I mean, maybe that's just f- like for me, but like tomorrow, tomorrow, like the way that slowly unfolds. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, it gives me goosebumps. Like it, we're, we're like uncovering some elegant, dark, mysterious puzzle. That's how I feel about this, this album as a whole. Yeah, man. Sonically, I totally agree with you. Lyrics wise, I think that he very rarely is trying to like pull himself out of his wallowing. Um, like on uh, and and we're we're totally fine to disagree with about yeah. this, but like uh, it, it depends on the in, song too. I'll say that because <laughs> yes, Pits- totally. is a different deal. That, that's a very I was just going to bring that one up. Yeah. <laughs> you beat me to it. First time I saw you, I knew it would never last. I'm not half what I wish I was. I'm so angry. All right. Well, a slight clarification. If, he, if he's not um, trying to self improve or whatever, he is trying. He's striving towards self-awareness in a way that I find very totally. intriguing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Self-aware about how against his own intervention he is. Mm, well, now this, we're talking um, everybody cares, everybody understands. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with you, man. I mean, like, I think being self-aware, you know, they say that that's, that's the first step to anything, just acknowledging... Right what's going on and i i I do think that that is admirable he's he's yeah i mean there's only so much you can speculate with uh what happened to him later in his life and Mm. you know whatever kind of path he went down i feel like another another reason this this album uh rubs me the right way is i i feel like we get him here a little bit before he went into like his roughest patch in like Mm. the early 2000s and from a basement on the hill or whatever that's called like yeah those albums are all great and amazing too but we get just like a little more sprinkle of hope and, and optimism in this one that i, I don't know yeah. what happens later um but yeah how, how do you feel about uh like his discography as a whole where where else do you like to to go or what do you find noteworthy most of my time has been spent with the earlier records. So yeah. like figure eight and basement on a hill. I've listened to like less, I could count on one hand. Oh, each time really? I've listened okay. to those records. Yeah. Um, so yeah, most of the time is spent with like Roman candle and the self-titled and either or. Yeah. The light stuff. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <But> Easy listening. <laughs> I will say, 
as especially those first two albums, the Roman yeah. Candle and the and the Elliott Smith, like there is very I very often cannot listen to music produced that way. It's it's so mm. very, very low budget, lo fi, but there's something about what he does with that that transcends mm. it completely. And I like I really came to enjoy those albums and um the the pictures he, he paints on those too. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you would use the word transcend because I feel like the production it like it is it helps it, it. it's yeah okay. it, it's what helps make it what it is. Um, but I I I do hear you, man. Like that was one of the things that I really noticed with this deep dive on XO is just how easy it was to listen to. Um, there was this one tune, uh, so track 11, Bottle Up and Explode. Yep. I just had this moment where I was like, this is one of the best bass sounds <laughs> I've ever heard. And, you know, like you just, you don't, you don't have those thoughts generally when listening to like sad indie records. Right, right. No, he, what, what do you think of his, I mean, I have to assume it was mostly his decision to kick up the the sound quality and the production quality so much given like his roots i mean is is that kind of i mean is that like dylan going electric or what i mean was that a good move for him in your eyes <laughs> i think so i think so for sure um i think it was probably partially his decision and partially just by nature of having his first record on a major label like when you have more money and when you have access to nicer equipment and better producers it it makes sense to do that and i think that um i think that not all indie artists record lo-fi because that's their like artistic vision like sometimes you're just recording lo-fi because that's what you have access to right right and at least from the way that he obviously studied music and composition and his um, knowledge of melodies and harmonic structure like he seemed to be very rigorous in his study of that like it also makes sense that he would want to be rigorous about his production as well like when he had the opportunity to yeah so yeah for me it's not a it's not a negative thing at all yeah and I, i think especially for him like everything worked out at the right time like it made sense for him that he had this slow evolution in um like his approach to recording like his very kind of humble beginnings worked amazingly for that kind of music and then it's like bit by bit you know either or is somewhere in the middle and that's maybe that's one reason that a lot of people love that album in particular so Mm -hmm. much it's i think if if anything came too soon it wouldn't sit as well with his material Mm -hmm. as it ended up uh, working out um yeah. like he knew exactly what to do and and what choices he should make by the time that he mm-hmm. you know he had a bigger team um yeah. i really feel like we could we could uh explore this kind of stuff forever i'm, I'm wondering maybe do, do we totally. want to start going track by track at this point absolutely well but before we do that yeah. i have one overarching question yes yes i and so this is a controversial opinion but I think this album is a little too long. Ah. I think that you could cut two or three songs, mm-hmm. and I'm just curious to hear how you would respond to that. What do you think about the length of this record? 
It's 14 tracks from a guy who writes everything and performs almost everything. You know, 14 tracks, usually you're talking like a Beatles album with a lot of other independent creative minds involved. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lot to ask on paper. And I will say, I think this album flows fantastically, like truly. And I, there's nothing on here that I want to not exist. There aren't any songs on here that I don't like, simply put. Um, I agree. If I was a judicious editor and I'm like, nobody, we've got to chop this down to 12. For me, I'm, I'm taking out Pizzolay or however you pronounce it. I'm taking out Pizzolay and I'm sure. taking out uh, question mark. Not a big fan of the, of the Barry Sachs, I assume. I think it's still, like <laughs> I said, I like all these songs. I think the sax yeah. really helps elevate that song. It's just, God, all the other material is so amazing, though, that it's like, you know. Oh, it's, I, yeah, I agree. I've got a question, Mike. But that feels a little <laughs> less important than the Baroque amazingness of, like, I didn't understand or something. You know, it's... Totally. I'm, I want to hear it. It's a great song, but we're ta- this album is, f- on the large part, just still on another level. So totally. Be- How about you? What, what are your two ones to X? Well, I I will say that on principle, I have nothing wrong with a record having fourteen tracks or sixteen tracks right. or thirty tracks. I just think that once you once you go past ten or eleven, you have to justify the record being that long. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the themes that he touches on with this record, he doesn't develop those themes, um, I guess, intellectually mm. enough to justify the length of the record. Um, but that is like, that's a very critical opinion that is like much smaller than the amount of love right. that I have for this it's, record. It's clear sure. that you're, you know, you're, you're really trying to dig deep to find something at that point. But I mean, exactly. and it's a, it's a valid critique. Exactly. Um, Waltz number one, mm. even though it is really a very, very strong color. I wish I'd never seen your face. Songwriting wise, I feel like it's the weakest um, in terms of in terms of songwriting. But I maybe well, wouldn't cut I it supposed because to the color say, is so strong. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm with you there. Yeah. And then I think I could I could agree with you on question mark, and I think I could live without. Oh well. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That oh well. Yeah. Okay. Is you know if I have to chop it into tears, it's not going to be on my. My top tier. Yeah, um, exactly. All right. Sounds like we're we're fairly in, in sync with that. Yeah, they're yeah. like we do often on this podcast, we do dig in track by track. That to time wise we might be great. A little limited since it is fourteen tracks. Um <laughs> but let's you know, we'll 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 cover the uh the highlights for sure. I totally. mean sweet Adeline, what mm-hmm. a like Alice in Wonderland, Wizard of Oz, you know, yeah. sepia tone to color intro that goddamn mm-hmm. song is Sweet yeah 
when I was like, hmm, Elliot Smith, do I care? Like the first time I got, tried to listen to XO, like that, you know, that grabs you, something mm, like that. Yeah. That entrance he makes. Especially like when it comes into the chorus, how the chorus is like large and lush yeah, with yeah. the chords, but then like the verses are, you know, I, if I'm remembering correctly, really just like him and his guitar. Oh, very small, yeah. yeah and not and even double-tracked I, I, vocals. Yes. Sacrilege for him, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like um, from a songwriting perspective, like he really he really lets you know how the caliber that the rest of the record is going to be at the way that he's like so masterful in the ways that he ends his verses. Mm. So like all three verses, the last line of each verse um, are so strong. So the first one, um, or hate will say the ending that love started to say like, so, so beautiful and kind of like a twist of, a twist of you know he's almost saying it like how yoda would speak right. english or something and, like it's and a little it's, backwards. it's it's it stands up on its own as poetry unlike a lot of lyrics exactly yeah exactly exactly and then to go and like end the song on uh or any situation where i'm better off than dead you know it's yeah like, so maybe he's not punching up so much on <laughs> on that one yeah <laughs> But it is it is what it is. I feel like with with Elliot Smith, you know what you're getting into. Yes. And um, you know, at at the very least, it's it's songwriting at its finest. Yeah. Yeah, and it's this is a good example early on of how wild and creative he can get with just you know something kind of nerdier like chord structure. Like, yeah. Okay, am I just playing? F G C. Nope, I'm doing like I'm all over the place. My minor and my major, like that's yeah. such a hallmark of this album, and I mean his his catalog uh, total too. But yeah, the the way yes. he brings you into that is very effective. Yeah, and it's always very musical. Like the um, the chromatic stuff that he does, it never feels out of place. No, never feels forced. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Well, then we move on to Tomorrow, Tomorrow, which uh, mm-hmm. that gave me the big goosebumps, like slow reveal feeling I'm talking about. And I think one of his, his best songs ever. I don't know. <laughs> That's just me. I hear you, man. I think it is really interesting that they start the record off the first like big production record that has all of these poppy singles on yeah. it, um, <clears throat> that they started off with two kind of lower energy songs. And then the third song is Walt's number two, the like one. the single yeah. that you kind of, uh, as a general consumer, maybe you'd want to hear that song first or second. So I thought it was, I, I thought it was a ballsy move that they pushed it to number three. I feel like you got, Number three being the best track on most albums. I feel like it's at yeah. least maybe I subconsciously like the for my albums, like the song I like the most, I'll put it in at number three. You warm them yeah. up with like a another pretty good one at like two, but then you really hit them by three. I feel like yeah, that happens in a lot of pop artists' uh, careers. Yeah. Um, see, yeah, Walt's number two, that's one of his biggest, if not his biggest song. Um, absolutely. I mean, always holds up. I always enjoy hearing it, and it's it's one where I can really follow the through line of the the story mm. pretty well. Um, why? So, why do you think it's his uh, calling card song? Why do you, Why do you think it's one of his biggest? 
What do, what do you think it is about that one in particular? I think a lot of it has to do with the production that it just, it's very easy to listen to, um, with the, if, if I'm remembering this correctly, like the, just the solo drum intro and then the band comes in. Yeah. Um, and then the, the chorus is piano so, riff. exactly, exactly. And the chorus is like so simple. It comes like right back down with no instrumentation and it's just that simple little couplet and like rememberable. It's yeah. Never gonna know you now, but I'm gonna love you anyhow. I'm never gonna know you now, but I'm gonna love you anyhow. And then uh, it was also like the uh, the record label DreamWorks. They released Waltz Number Two <clears throat> like as the single. To, like, oh, okay. To yeah. promote the record, so there there may be like a little bit of history in it being more well known than the other tracks. Yeah, the simplicity that really is a huge part of it. Like it it is one of the more approachable, like coverable of his songs. Yes. Um, yes. I also kind of have like conspiracy theory speculation. I mean, maybe that's what a lot of this podcast is becoming. But I feel like love it. This is one of the most, this, this song and what he's singing about essentially is like losing his mother to a piece of crap mm. stepfather. That's kind of what mm. I read into it. Tell Mr. Man with his impossible mm. plans, leave me alone. Like, um, yeah. I feel like that he's getting to like kind of like a core part of his childhood and his development on this song mm. specifically. I feel like, you know, I can't. I don't know the guy or whatever, but I feel like mm. this is when I think of like Elliot Smith telling his story, this feels like one of the songs that like cuts closest to the bone. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I feel like a lot of people feel that as well. And to be totally honest, I'm curious how much of that is really the case. And then how much of that is, People love this song so much, so uh, they feel so close to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I hate, I, I, I hate to be, I hate to be you a might, cynic. I think sometimes. you're no. I think you're but, onto something with that too, though. Yeah, I mean, it is very. You can no matter what you think that this song is about, um, it's very relatable. And the fact that like the simple chorus at the end of the song, he just plays it like three or four times yeah, over and over yeah. again. Yeah. Repeats and like himself. the lyrics. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm never going to know you, but I'm going to love you anyhow. Like we can all resonate yeah. with that with someone. He really, lives, so. he makes that message universal. How he hammers yeah. it home at the end there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Well, I can say unequivocally, baby Britain has got to be about alcoholism. <laughs> Absolutely. hundred percent. Floating over no, a sea of vodka. Fights problems with bigger problems. Sings the ocean falling lies. Counts the waves that somehow didn't hit her. And here's another maybe maybe you're the good cop and I'm the bad cop. Let's but, I'll, I'll, um, I'll go with that dynamic. <laughs> another uh another critique of the record and i guess this is also kind of what i was saying it was maybe a little bit long mm -hmm. is um 
I feel like um, he, he he says a lot about drugs and alcohol on this record, and specifically alcohol with this song. Yeah. But he doesn't he doesn't really like expand the theme at all, or like um, come to any sort of conclusion, or ask any like imp- uh, kind of important yeah. questions about alcohol as a as an individual kind of substance. I um, I don't know if that's fair of me to say, but l- diving into the song, I just wanted, I wanted to hear more. Right. About... Yeah. It is kind of just like it's painting this picture of a character, just this observation. And then it's funny how the music is just totally getting better by the Beatles <laughs> against yes. that. But um, you're right that he kind of doesn't dig into some deeper kind of poignant like discovery or there's not more ambiguity or something like he's, he's playing with language in a very um, poetic way, but it ultimately is like, okay. So, um, but then what I would say to that is, well, childhood drama is the explanation and he'll get into that in in Mm. other songs, you know, but that's fair. Again, we're, we're back to just, you know, conspiracy theory, uh, ruminations, but um, hey, I'm all right with that. Yeah. Another <laughs> amazing thing about Baby Britain, and I mean this, this may not be amazing for the, uh, other people's perspectives, but the bridge is three lines, and mm. I, like it's just I. It's an amazing bridge. <laughs> Got a look in your eye when you're saying goodbye, like you wanna say hi. It, it, it takes so much balls to do something that's not like an even number. Yeah. And I, in my own songwriting, um, try and get away with that. Where yeah, if yeah. you can just do one line or if you can do three lines and leave one out and um, just musically and with the lyrics, everything, he, he totally gets away with it. It was impressive. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I hammered this point home already, but this album flowed so much yes. for me. Like I put it yes. on and then I was cooking I was like, dun, 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 dun. oh, it hasn't been that long. Oh, we're on question mark already? Like, oh, this thing's already over? Like, just it, yeah. just from start to finish, just gracefully glided along. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and I saw, like, the bridge in Baby Britain, it it just feels so perfect where it is, and it feels like it happens mm. more, even though it only happens once. Exactly. And then you don't notice anything about it being, like, metrically weird. Like, yeah, it's just, he's so naturalistic. Like whatever needs mm-hmm. to happen in the song next, just independent of his own like ego or decisions, it just like he lets it happen. That's a huge mm-hmm. thing for him. Yes. Yeah. So Baby Britain, uh, it's a cute name for United States. <laughs> I agree. Quite a quite a big whiny baby at the moment, but <laughs> well, Papa Britain ain't much more mature at this point. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Pitsale. Yeah. Which I think is a Yiddish word for little one, like like an affectionate term. Oh, really? Or so uh, genius.com told me today. Nice. I never knew that, but that that's kind of... This is where it's like, no, I'm still heavy. Like, I'm, I'm still a sad guy. This is where he, he kind of comes back with either or energy, I feel like. Yeah. I'll tell you why I... Don't want to know where you are 
I got a joke I've been time to tell you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even in the way that he like says some of his darkest lyrics. So like this line, um, a silent kid is looking down the barrel. Uh, I had never really conceptualized that sentence and like thought about it <laughs> so plainly until yeah. I read it. Yeah. Because the way that he sings it on the word down he like changes notes yeah. and like stretches the syllables out. Right. And then melisma. on the word barrel, he does the same thing. So yeah, when you're listening to it, like you don't necessarily pick up like how dark the lyrics really are. Yeah. Which is an interesting like songwriting tool. Yeah. It's, uh, it's that art that a lot of uh, different musicians employ of like kind of happier or more optimistic sounding melodies with like just yes. bleakness in the lyrical content. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this this one is does not uh he's not in a good place on this one and it's still like it's such a beautiful simpler melody and beautiful guitar playing but it's like it's heavy like you can't just put it on casually, you know? A song like that. Yeah. It's it's interesting because you know the happy, the happy brighter sound of the music does make it listenable. In contrast to something like uh, I'm not I'm not sure if you're familiar with Mount Erie, um, mm. but the, like another artist that writes a bleak song and they sing it in a very bleak way. Um, you know, at least, at least with Elliot Smith, you can put it on while you're cooking or maybe, you know, cooking with another person and you can have a conversation during it. Right. Um, so it is that really interesting, like middle ground. Um, and then one of the things that I really loved about Pizzella is, uh, each one of the verses has such a strong message and they they all kind of open up and come to a close within themselves so completely. Like the, I feel like the first verse he's basically saying, and the whole song is to an X, right? So like the first verse he's basically just saying like, sorry that I never told you that I wanted to kill myself. And then verse two is like, but you should be thankful for me because I'm the problem that God created for you to solve. And then, and then, oh, I, th I think I misspoke. That's verse two. And then verse three, the final yeah, verse yeah. is, um, but you never wanted to love me anyway because you're only interested in loving people who want to hurt you. And I never wanted to hurt you. And it like, it, it ties it up in, um, this really like clean way that's also heartbreakingly sad. And I think that that is kind of the, um, that's kind of the elaboration that I was looking for mm. um, in the other tune about yeah. alcohol baby and Britain. baby Britain. Yeah. Yeah. And like the kind of coming to some sort of conclusion, like when he says at the end that like, I really loved you and that's my problem. Like that's, it's, it's a, mm. it's a very satisfying kind of, jewel to come to at the end you of the could song. write a out of what you just how you just broke it down you could write a movie out of that that's three totally. acts totally yeah and with how yeah. few words he can tell that story like yeah freaking genius yeah never do that yes. i could never do that yes uh yeah all right well you definitely gave just gave me a deeper appreciation for that tune for sure hell yeah uh God, we're not even halfway done. All right, we're, we're just going to... We'll cover the rest of the, the highlights on the album. 
Independence yeah. Day yeah. was a, was a grower for me. I, I quite like Independence Day now. Oh, but you didn't like it in the beginning. I, it wasn't that I didn't like it. It just it didn't feel to me like one of the best songs on the album. And now I'm like all about that electric piano. And, yeah, and the I crazy, hear you. Like ups and downs that the the song goes through, the melody and everything. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. Like wh- listening through that song, I was just thinking to myself, like, man, this groove feels so good. I mean, it makes me feel as good as any like steely dan groove or toto groove or whatever else and it's just one simple little 90s drum loop exactly yeah and then uh there's this like parallel compression and distortion that's just on the kick drum and it's like a very like it's like a very 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 specific nerdy detail yeah yeah and it sounds so good yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah now this this one it has a again this whole album is supremely like elegant and just so yes. carefully crafted but yeah everything hangs in the balance so well particularly on mm. this track i feel like mm-hmm. it, like you know it like i said it flows and just everywhere it goes it feels natural that it goes there but it's like yes what are the chords doing like, yes what, what melody is happening here what harmony are you like it's so jam-packed it's dense yes yeah yes yeah it's definitely modern harmony but he he does it so musically that like it's very listenable um, what do you, what do you think he's saying on this one? This this one is also kind of a, a mystery to me. Independence Day is a difficult one for me to figure out what he means by it. And for me personally, like I'm always fine with that. I'm fine with things being obtuse or unclear. Um, generally, I'm not as attracted to that as I would be to things that are like a little more clear to me, like Pizzella. Yeah. Um, but I I definitely feel like all three verses are about very different things. Mm. Um, and that in and of itself could be what the song is about. Is it just, just about three different things? Pastiche, um, yeah. Yeah, but I do think that... Um, I do think that the chorus is very strong. Like to say, you only live a day, but it's brilliant anyway. It's kind of one of the only yeah. like truly happy lyrics on the whole record (laughs) but then you got something something butterfly gonna spend the day higher than high totally you know that totally might be some loaded something in there. definitely about drugs you know you're gonna feel great this is your day but you know what it's not real you know there could be that pulling the rug out Mm -hmm. from under you sort of slanted Mm -hmm. too oh that's interesting i hadn't considered that the chorus would be sarcastic but I don't know. Maybe that's not, maybe that's my style. Maybe that's not his style. <laughs> he's he's not exactly Steely Dan. <laughs> oh man, there can only be one Steely Dan. One Donald Fagan. Uh, exactly. Well, yeah. Just in the um, interest of time, maybe we'll go through the rest. Is kind of on the the quicker side. But Bled White totally. is sometimes my favorite song on this album, and. Certainly always Hell a strong yeah. contender for me. I'm not fucked, not quite. That's where I'm getting the, you know. I'm, you love that line? It's, I mean, it's kind of, it's so just blunt. May not seem quite right, but I'm not fucked, not quite. Oh, 
it, it offers hope of like, you know, I'm going to try to make something out of all this. I, I like that moment for him. It feels triumphant. Hell yeah. Nice. Yeah, this is like a pop tune through and through. Yeah. I mean, it could... It so could, hooky. It, it really truly is. And um, I'm like, I'm stoked for Elliot at this point. Like, hell yeah, man. Like, play your pop songs. Yeah. Because they, they're, they're still very musically interesting and involved. Like, oh, totally. He's, you know, it's, it's pop just because it's candy, but it's not like mm. cheaper or whatever because of it. Yes, I agree. That's, that's really interesting, man. I appreciate that perspective. Because I think so often, you know, artists, we equate those two things. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's all taste, too. You know, if yeah. if you write something with this many hooks and that that kind of grabs you viscerally, yeah. it's like, you know, you could have done that because you're desperate and you feel like this is like some hackneyed attempt at more attention and it's not true to what you want to do, or you can mm. do it because you're like, yeah, this is what I want to make. You know, I, I want to hear it if it's yeah. if it's the second. I don't want to I don't want to hear something forced. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, sometimes I vary to like a fault kind of cheesy pop tastes or preferences but you know the guilty pleasures you gotta have some man gotta have some okay i'm i'm really interested to hear your thoughts on waltz number one yeah because i think i'm more critical of that song than most people are um that's probably fair i i do it's not like oh i need it but i quite like it and i'm very impressed with it as somebody who tries to you know understand like harmony and melody and i think it has a really it's what i like is it's different i like when this album has diversity track to track i don't like it when songs blend together too much and i think this one has this elegant ghostly like haunted mansion kind of feel to it that i really appreciate yes But I don't think it's ever been like in my top three or whatever for the album. How do you feel about that last? I never wish I'd seen your face. That's a little, and then it, the three different chords on the word face. Yeah, you it's, dig that? It's a lit. That part of it is a little strained. Maybe that's a little bit like. I mean, just compared mm. to all the other brilliance he has, it's a little bit. Look what I can do. Ah, uh, like I, I, I can't. It has a little bit feeling for me of I can do this, so I just should do it rather than it's what needs to happen. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So I we're, think that's totally fair. All right. I think yeah, that's totally fair. We're onto something there. Yeah. Um, but n- nowhere near enough to like make me not like the song or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um. Oh, I was just going to say, one of the things that I love about this record that I feel like um, he maybe opens into on Amity is his freedom to just say the same word over and over and over again in the lyrics. And I think that that's such a cool, that's such a cool thing as a songwriter when you know that other songs and other sections have such poetry that you can you yeah. can flip to the complete other side and just say the same word and and explore with you know what that what is that gonna feel like saying yeah. the same thing over and over again. Well, it's also just sonically 
it's a song that's like it feels like a moment of crisis like like i'm just i can't can i take this anymore you know with the really pounding drums and electric guitar but it it still does it in a characteristically like you know nimble gentle way but it's a very good just like uh, like getting some shit out before the next song kind of track i really and it's short so it it totally uh you know it doesn't overstay its welcome yeah i felt like uh this could be on the ben's record yeah like it felt very oh yeah feels very rock and roll and it's kind of the first track on the record that allows itself to really be proper rock and yeah roll. yeah he's rocking out yeah um and it's 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 the kind of thing that you know is written quickly probably performed pretty quickly and it's like yeah we're just go 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 and let's not overthink it and i yeah i like it when an artist can pull that off yeah um well god we still got five five songs here um I'm going to say until you get into the last two, this, oh, well, okay, bottle up and explode, mm-hmm. a question mark. Uh-huh. It's the part of the album that just ever so slightly is not as mind-blowingly amazing as the whole other part of the album, for me at least. But I completely agree. Uh, and that, I think, speaks to my argument about yeah. taking a song or two off the record. Yeah, and just release it on a different thing. You know, you don't have to yes. cram it all on here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. This this is if I'm gonna feel it anywhere on the album, this is this is the part of the album where I, I feel that the most probably. Um I probably yeah. don't have too I mean I, I can always generate stuff to say about anything, but I don't off the cuff, I don't think I have too much to say about these three songs while I do uh I do still appreciate them all. Cause let's get yeah. to everybody cares that everybody understands. That's a pretty big Love one, it. right? Love it, yeah. Everybody cares, everybody understands. Yes, everybody cares about you. Yeah, and whether or not you want them to, it's a chemical. Yeah, it, it's interesting looking into this record. Um, how many of these songs you can find on YouTube of him singing? previous versions of the lyrics and to be able to compare and contrast all of those things so yeah i mean living in this modern age is pretty dope (laughs) especially with all the time we have to sit at home and scour the internet for knowledge yes yeah yes yes so do you know the whole story about him uh you know having like a in his eyes, like, you know, a r- very rough intervention and probably traumatic experience in rehab. And this is, you dug into all the, how this song is, is touching on that. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I think that I know as much as what you just said and that it, it, I guess it happened in Arizona and some of his friends were involved. Um, but, uh, but I, I, I really only know as much as, as much as you mentioned. Right. I mean, I, we, maybe we both read the same uh, Wikipedia article this morning, but, <laughs> or maybe just me, but I, it's like, even before I knew that, the specifics of that, you knew like the kind of the core gut of the song was something like that. Like he's, yeah, it's an unusual topic for an artist. Just like, mm. Hey, back off. Like 
you think you can sympathize and like get into my head, but you don't know what you're talking about. This is my mm. struggle and you know, it is what it is. You're not going to understand. Like that's, that's a pretty brave, poignant thing to really encapsulate in a song. Yeah, man. And I think he does it. I think he does it really well and he does it powerfully. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely appreciate songwriters that don't, aren't afraid of talking about subjects that, you know, not a lot of people are writing songs about. Yeah. And it's kind of, uh, so before I knew the, the rehab story, I was almost kind of thinking of like, is he talking about interviewers who, uh, uh, you know, ask him about his, his backstory and what all these songs mean and what kind of hardships he's going through. But really at the, at the end of the day, they're just writing for their job and they're writing at, at a magazine or, yeah. you know, like they got to go about their business, but they're going to pretend to be your friend for 10 minutes. Like I, I, I kind of put that me- yeah. meaning into it, whether or not it uh, deserves to be there, but it, you know, it's, once you know the feeling, like the, the gist of what he's trying to say, it's, it's, you're in the world, you know? Yeah, I completely agree, man. And it, it, I, it, it is interesting. He, he changed the lyrics to make it less specific. Um, so maybe in a way he would be totally comfortable with you getting that out of it and it being about reporters or interviewees. Score, yeah, yeah <laughs> maybe, exactly. Maybe, well, I think it's if he ever makes things less specific, it's just because if there are feelings and thoughts around a particular situation, those can still be the same feelings and thoughts without the situation. You can just yes open it up universally. So I'll take yes. it though. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, but yeah, the strings on the end of this tune. Yeah, I mean, yeah incredible arrangement yeah no it it builds yeah yeah it really does when when he needs to go grand he he knows the the places to pick for that yes yes and finally the uh the closer man lovely this is such a great way to close a record Uh, and and for him you know putting out his first record on a major label um i i love that he ended it this way Acapella, just beautiful Baroque, maudlin, just landscape of uh, something. I, I mean, yep. RJD2 sampled it, so that's pretty cool for Dead Ring. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, I heard that that sample before I ever heard uh, the song. Thought you'd be looking for the next in line to love. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so, it's cathartic. Like it really, it, mm. it does feel like a release at the end of all this. Yeah. And with that stripped down arrangement. Yeah, definitely sonically. And I love his commitment to that sound the whole time. And um, I love that it's something new like that we hadn't heard yet, almost like a coda. Um, cause when the, when the Barry Sachs came in on the other tune, I, <laughs> I felt like it was a little, little too out of left field. We're going to try to rock. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this texture on the last tune, I just, I love everything about it. I think it was a great decision. Well, we've gone on a little bit longer than usual, but I think it's warranted every second. This has been a really fun ride. And um, Hell yeah. 
We've started ending these episodes where we give uh, ratings from one to a hundred. I don't know how you feel oh, about damn. that. Oh damn! Really? Yeah. You're gonna you're you're gonna hold my feet to the fire. Hold huh? your feet to the fire. I mean, you can say no comment if you got your reasons. Don't be mad at me. That's just one man's opinion. <laughs> I'll go first and say this is a damn near perfect album there's really uh-huh. it's hard to find a lot that is not just perfect for what it is with this album it was made in what 97 98 i'm gonna give it a 98 yeah uh, oh nice i like your uh i like the logic behind that number um i'm gonna give it a 92 and maybe that's Maybe that's far too critical uh, of a number. You're an either or guy. Um, it's okay. <laughs> but I feel like um I feel like uh just as a record, um it could be shorter or uh the themes that he touches touches on, he could experiment with them more. <clears throat> or the sounds that he taps into, he could get into like a wider variety of yeah. sounds, which is which is one of the things that I think that um, I mean, not that we need to be comparing Elliot Smith to Radiohead at all, but Radiohead, it's like listening to an opera where at the beginning yeah. of the record, there's all these different sounds, digital mm-hmm. and analog, and then throughout the rest of the record, there's going to be these tracks that really <clears throat> showcase yeah. those those sounds and that wide variety. Um, I think that's because it's five guys and not one. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There's there's arguments for sure. But if we're gonna if we're gonna have zero bias and we're just gonna look at this as a record and give it a number, um, I definitely think that it deserves to be in the nineties. I would never give it a B rating. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to ninety two. Okay, I can, I can get behind it. Um, Sorry, man. No, no problem at all. <laughs> That was that was well put, <laughs> well said. And uh, yeah. if people want to check out the world of Eric Davis and uh, yeah. the music you do, all that, where where uh, where should we head? What's going on with on you? On Instagram, the Instagram handle is Eric Bruce Davis, and then you can find all my music on Spotify or Bandcamp or wherever you listen to music um, under Eric Davis. And uh, we talked about it in in depth when I had you on the pod earlier this year, but. Uh, your recent big project was you literally like wrote a song every day for the whole year, 365 songs, and then you uh, yes. you called the best down to one album, and it's a it's a very cool album. So definitely uh, would point you. folks that way. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. No, thanks for coming on today. This is a lot of fun. This has been so much fun. I've loved it. Thanks for having me. Okay. There you have it. That was nice. That was like uh, felt like a really productive study session or something. Um, check out the wonderful, melancholic, uh, beautifully produced music of Eric Davis. And if you really like Niagara Moon, and hey, you wanna you wanna support Niagara Moon, get some extra, super exclusive bonus goodies. I got a Patreon. Niagara Moon music on Patreon. It's out there. Uh, lastly, if you really like the pod, you want this podcast to, uh, to get more clout, you can leave a rating, uh, write a review, what have you, 
usually on iTunes, but I guess they have that for other platforms as well. All right, that is it. And uh, I'm going to be in next week back with Dan Barracuda, and we're going to be talking about Home Again by Michael Kiwanuka. Have a good one.